greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Discover the film that defined an era for the first time ever on DVD. Brother. That's my man. I'm a real American. Fight for the rights of I want you to come work for me. I'm willing to pay. Are you trying to tell me my money's not good enough for you? <laughs> oh my god. I won't be around when this check clears. <laughs> July 3rd, brother. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz from the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. And of course, this is on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire feed. And of course, we'll be talking about the greatest of all time, the Babe Ruth of Wrestling, the man who is the reason we're all here today, the Hulkster, the immortal Hulk. Hogan. Each and every week, we've been talking about a lot of the top feuds of all time. We've talked about Macho Man Randy Savage, talked about King Kong Bundy. We've talked about the rowdy one, Rowdy Roddy Piper. We've talked about Andre the Giant, Earthquake, Yokozuna. Last week, Sid Justice. This week, we'll be talking about a short lived but very, very memorable feud against the human wrecking machine, Zeus. With Zeus, it's funny, of course, everyone always 
things have no holds barred and the great movie that came out in 1989. But let's first just talk about the look of Zeus. Tiny Lister is a mammoth man. He's a huge man. He's not a wrestler. He's an actor. So that's the first thing that you have to think of when you think about this feud. Oh, you know, maybe they didn't have some great matches or, you know, I don't know about his showing at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or at No Holds Barred the match, the movie. It wasn't a great show. Well, he's really more of an actor that was kind of trained on the fly because the movie No Holds Barred to do match with Hogan and wrestle in the ring. So it's nothing where you're going to say, oh, this guy's a great worker or anything like that. You could pretty much throw that out the window right away with Lister and him, obviously the Zeus character in general. But that doesn't mean anything. His look does everything. When he first appears on WWE TV and he's in the ring with those two jobbers and Mike McGurk, they're like, oh, there's Zeus, the star of No Holds Barred. He doesn't even wrestle, doesn't even squash the guys. He literally has such a look and a presence. The guys run away and he's able to just do that weird breathing thing that he does. Ha, ha, ha. And scare away Mike McGurk and scare away the jobbers. And then they promote No Holds Barred the movie. Then they'll play you know, the clip or the, the trailer for the movie, and you kind of go on from there. But to think about it, it's like, okay, the guy didn't do anything, but just stand there and have an awesome look. So he is scary as hell. He does have a great look, great body. He's a big dude. He's 6'5", probably 300-something pounds. No body fat. Scary as all hell. Intimidating as all hell. He's got the Z basically in hair on his head, but you get the, the Z letter on his head. He just looks like somebody like we always say that in wrestling, like whether it's the Cola or Hogan or Luger, if the guy were to walk in a room. It's like, and you're not a wrestling fan. Like who the hell is that? I don't know who it is, but that's somebody. And that's the it factor. That's the presence. That's the charisma. And that's really Zeus in a nutshell. I mean, we're not going to be talking about him. Like he's Macho Man Randy Savage having five-star classics with Ricky Steamboat or something like that. So I mean, you just get that out of your head right away with Zeus. And it's more of a, a storyline driven on the movie and they're really trying to promote the movie because the movie is a Vince McMahon vehicle. It is basically distributed by new line cinema, but it's a Vince McMahon movie. He's executive producer. He's the head honcho behind it. He's really the, the movie financial backer. I mean, he's, he's the one that really um, put the thing together and a little bit of a trivia about the movie, which is really interesting that, when the first draft of the script was turned in, Hogan hated it. Vince McMahon hated it. They disapproved of it so much. They both checked themselves into a hotel in Florida. They stayed up for 72 straight hours, supposedly, and they rewrote the script together. So they were both pretty damn invested, not only in having the movie be financial success, but they actually wanted it to be somewhat decent. So they rewrote it themselves and, you know the the history is in in it in the uh, in the pudding there whether you liked it or not. However, that old uh, expression goes: "However, the uh, the proof is in the pudding," or whatever you want to say. Was the movie good? Was it not? I love it. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It's not the usual suspects or Casablanca or anything like that. But it is a great movie. It is what it is. You only understand what it is. But the whole thing to me is: Did it make money? When you go back to WBF in 97, when they're trying to rip on the Hulkster, when Vince is ripping on Hulk and JR is making, taking little pot shots, no holds barred, no profit allowed. And, and Vince saying, hey, he still owes me money. He promised me that if the movie didn't make money, he'd pay me back for it. He's, he still owes me all that money. So you're thinking, oh, man, what a flop. Must have not been a success. So the budget for the movie was $8 million. It grossed over $16 million. So it doubled in the profit 
So it's completely wrong of them to say that. But in really, in essence, he was in WCW at this point. So they're taking a shot at him, trying to make his movies seem lesser than, you know, Salt and Devil's Island and all the other stuff, Thunder and Paradise, anything else that he's doing over on Turner and over for his own business. They're trying to take down because there's a war going on. It's the Monday Night War. You have WWF versus WCW. WWF almost putting out of business, thanks to the Hulkster, thanks to the NWO. So, of course, they're going to take shots at him, and of course, they're going to rip on him. But it made double the profit. $16 million in the U.S. and Canada it grossed. And that's not counting VHS and DVD sales and all the stuff later on. So, it really is one of those cult classics. Yeah, it's not a, you know, like I said, it's not a usual suspect or something, but it is pretty damn entertaining and if you're a wrestling fan if you're a hulk fan if you're a zeus fan i think you'll you'll really enjoy the movie if you haven't seen it odds are you've probably seen it but i digress so the essence of zeus being there is because of the promotion of the movie so if you've ever seen it i mean it's pretty cut and dry the movie it stars hogan they're pretending it's star zeus bobby heaney keeps saying it's star zeus but obviously hulkster is the star rip thomas if you will rip him and he's got that awesome hand gesture that he does the huh, with the rip him. So Zeus is this brutal monster. He's the heel. Um, basically, this movie inspired the feud. And it would really go for, eh, I want to say, I don't know, you want to say five months or so. I mean, it, it has a lengthy feud in, in, in time. It really starts... All the way back, if you really think about it, it, almost goes seven months. It really starts all the way back in May when Zeus shows up for the Hogan Boss Man Cage match at Saturday Night's Main Event, and then goes all the way until the middle of December that year for No Holds Barred, the match, the movie, the, the pay per view from Nashville. But we'll get to that in a second. So the Human Wrecking Machine is a monster. He's a heel. He basically no sells everything. If the opponents hit him with something, he doesn't do anything or he just kind of hits his own chest which is pretty scary if you think about it because this massive man is just pounding his own chest you know no pain and just thwarting that so as a kid i remember thinking like this guy's scary as hell like i don't know if hogan hits him with anything that he'd hurt him i don't know if there's anything that hogan can do you know maybe he's faced bigger guys i don't know if he's ever faced a guy like that who's just chiseled out of stone so he you know he would just pound his chest make some weird breathing noises no sell the opponent that was the the gist of him as a heel and his character and the whole thing is okay what does zeus want well zeus demands and he wants to fight fight hogan and he wants him in a wbf ring citing jealousy for being under hogan and angry over losing to hogan in the movie zeus now wants to beat him in quote-unquote real life zeus really will form an alliance with the very very infamous Hulk Hogan rival, the Macho King, Randy Savage, and they will feud with Hogan and, of course, his buddy Brutus the Barber Beefcake. They really have the team's face-off in a nutshell here, facing off in a tag event at SummerSlam 1989. We'll get into this a little bit further, but obviously Hogan and Beefcake prevail the victors. Hogan pins Zeus there. Following that SummerSlam, he'll form an alliance with Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, which will lead into the Survivor Series. The Survivor Series will have obviously the DiBiase team, the Zeus team and the Hogan team. And we'll just get into that in, in just a second. And we'll kind of go back to this for sure. But 
if you want to get to the crux of it, and like I just mentioned, let's go to what's going on here. As Hogan versus Boss Man, the feud ends on May 27th, 1989, Saturday night's main event. A WWE title match in the steel cage. We know Hogan won the match at WrestleMania 5 to become the champion. And his feud with Boss Man really has been going on since the summer of 88. So from 88 to May of 89, he's basically feuding with Boss Man in Twin Towers. And Seth, you throw that feud in. Now you're throwing Zeus on top of that. So he's kind of feuding with three guys all at once here, which is awesome. I mean, he's the Hulkster. He's the guy of wrestling. He, he's you know the, the guy that stirs the drink. He's the man on top of the mountain at the WWF. And that's just the way it goes. So Hogan walks out to the ring. He's very unaware that Zeus is standing on the ring steps waiting for him. Uh, this was, as I mentioned in, in the Bossman episode, it's kind of funny because Zeus does get announced by Slick. <laughs> he does say he's there, but Hogan, in, in typical great Hogan acting and Hogan fashion, just pretends he does not see the human wrecking machine. And ignorance, ignorance is bliss as Hogan is then pounded and beat up by Zeus as he basically, you know, he kicks Hogan, beats him down, pummels his chest, and beats the crap out of Hogan. You think Hogan may lose the cage match? Of course, Hogan and even superplexes Bossman at the top of the cage. He ends up winning that. So we're kind of going along here, and he's still going to be feuding with Zeus. The Bossman feud is done. That's over with. Savage is still there. So now he's really feuding with Savage and Zeus, and he's still got that going on. And like I mentioned, of course, No Holds Barred 1989, produced by Michael Ratchmill, directed by Thomas J. Wright, written by... Dennis Hacken, and, of course, starring the Hulkster, who is also an executive producer along with Vince, and also a co-writer, like I mentioned, with Vince. Of course, it is New Line Cinema, but it also is distributed under a name called Shane Distribution Company, and that was all released on June 2nd, 1989. So this is really released seven years after Rocky Three, which was Hogan's first you know, semi-starring role in, in the movie, but his real kind of breakout movie in Hollywood and finally giving him, uh, you know, the, the big chance here after Rocky Three, And Vince wants to go all in on movies and obviously he wants to go all in on his top star. So let's talk about SummerSlam 89 for a second here. You got Hogan feuding, like I said, with Savage and Zeus. But, of course, you got Fill the Heat pay-per-view. It's at the Meadowlands Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. My buddy very jealously went to the show with his cousin. Was Cousins was not happy about this, but that's a different story for a different day. Hogan and his buddy, his best buddy, Brutus Beefcake, end up defeating Randy Savage and Zeus in 15 minutes. Like I said, Hogan pinned Zeus. And you think almost maybe, hey, is this feud over here? I mean, that could that be the end of it here? Uh, with Hogan and Beefcake getting the win, but it's not because Zeus, like I mentioned before, will then kind of have an alliance with the Million Dollar Man. And we go to Survivor Series 1989. Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Demolition defeat the Million Dollar Team of Ted DiBiase, Zeus, and the Powers of Pain. Zeus was eliminated from the match via disqualification after refusing to break a chokehold on the Hulkster and really shoving the referee away with a reckless abandon. So he gets kind of an easy out, kind of a safe out. He ends up getting eliminated from the match in that fashion. Then we get the Hulkamaniacs going on to win the match, and the Hulkster ends up getting the win. 
after the Survivor Series, though, the feud is not over because we will go to the Randy Savage Hogan, excuse me, Randy Savage Zeus versus Hogan and Beefcake in a steel cage, November 27, 1989. No holds barred. The movie really no holds barred. The, excuse me, the, the match no holds barred. The pay per view. But, I mean, that, that's not going to quite get into that just yet, but just think about this. Okay. You had SummerSlam, you had Survivor Series. Those are two big shows. Those are huge shows. You want to call them, let's say, the, out of the big four, those are probably the second biggest with SummerSlam and the fourth biggest in Survivor Series. WrestleMania, you could probably easily, safely uh, put number one uh, by a mile. Then probably three, but maybe two. Well, for this intense purpose, number three would be the Royal Rumble. But you've got Hogan and Zeus. I know Savage is still there as well, and eventually the the DiBiase team. But you got Hogan feuding with Zeus at two of the biggest pay per views of the year, and really, kind of the the billboard of, of the show is really the Hogan versus Zeus feud. So it's not like okay, this is a throwaway. It's not like okay, Hogan's just feuding with these guys, like a Harley Race or something, which is crazy to say that. But like a Harley Race feud or a Terry Funk feud where it was just on Saturday night's main event or it's just on TV or it's just a house show feud. This was a, a main storyline, a main cog in the wheel. And this is a main part of the programming. I mean, this is huge. This is what they're building the shows on. This is what they're making money on. This is really a, a huge part of the, the WWF model here. I mean, this is, this is what they're using to really draw. Zeus isn't really working the house shows. I mean, he's really not working much. He's not, really working any matches but pay-per-views and but working with Hogan. So, I mean, they know what they wanted to do. They wanted to really, really strongly promote this movie. Obviously, you want to make your money back, and they did. Then you want to make some profit, and they did. And they really were, you could say, using their own shows as a vehicle to promote the movie and to really start making money back on the movie and really have Vince break into that world and really have the Hulkster break into that world so it's just um i know it's one of those things where is that a good sacrifice is that a smart thing to do was that the right thing to do yeah in hindsight probably because you had so many other so much other good talent around the hulkster and you had all the other great guys like macho man and you know you can use beefcake as dressing too for the feud but it's not like it killed him or hurt him or it really killed the business or hurt business for WWF at, at that time. People were believing Zeus. They didn't really care about work rate. They didn't care about, oh, this guy doesn't can't do this or or this guy can't do that. They were really kind of focusing like, wow, this guy's a beast. And, hey, I'm kind of interested in the movie. Maybe um, maybe we'll go uh, we'll go see that movie. And just to me. Is is just so interesting because nowadays I don't know if you'd be able to get away with it. Oh, this guy can't work, and oh, this guy stinks. But you know, he was much more character driven, and was much more driven around the fact that can Hogan beat up this guy? Can Hogan, you know, knock this guy over? I mean, can Hogan beat this guy and and end this guy because he's scary? He came from the movie and that world and this that genre, but he followed him to wrestling. I mean, it's pretty uh, pretty damn cool, and it's pretty pretty crazy looking back that zeus albeit basically three big matches is still very very fondly remembered and the movie whether you liked it or you didn't like it, it is very very fondly remembered um as well so let's just think about hogan and zeus for a second of course they're on opposing teams 
and of course Hogan at, at one point will will get his longtime friend Brutus and try to give him a little bit of a rub, try to give him a bit of a push. But that kind of all lays back to '89, earlier in '89, when on Saturday night's main event, Savage and Hogan split up during that Twin Towers match. Hogan and Savage, the Mega Powers, explode. But if you remember in the back, Savage beat up Beefcake. So you're kind of setting up there that, okay, oh, Hogan and Beefcake are friends. And then you're kind of setting up for the fact that, okay, Hogan loves Beefcake, but Savage is also going to be having some problems with Beefcake stemming from that incident. Beefcake still is not going to like him you know he's not a uh, beefcake's not gonna like savage at all so they're really kind of all four of them had been intertwined in a feud even long before the summer i just like those little not easter eggs i know you can consider research but little little teasers and little things where you're like oh yeah that did happen and that's right like beefcake should be mad at him or like th- that should be part of the feud it, it's just to me very interesting and 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 very cool and like i said with zeus he does make several appearances. He's not really wrestling so much, but he does make several appearances at WB events and he's cutting promos and stuff saying that he, not Hogan, should have received the top billing and no holds barred. And that's really the, the push of the whole feud. They really keep mentioning the movie, no matter what. I should have been top billing. Hogan uh, is jealous of me that I should be the star, but he's really jealous of Hogan because Hogan was the star of the movie. But Hogan and Savage continued the feud over the WWF title all in 89. So that is kind of like the backdrop, which was funny to think about Hogan and Savage, probably like one of the greatest feuds of all time, if not the greatest feud of all time. The It was almost a backdrop to Hogan and Zeus for a few months. As you're kind of having rematches here and rematches there with Hogan and Savage, really building up to the big rematch in February of 1990 on Saturday night's main event. So it's crazy to think like, okay, Hogan Savage is the best ever, but it almost takes a back seat to Hogan and Zeus. People were, you know, pretty damn interested. And obviously, Vince was had a financial reason other than WWF with New Line Cinema and Chain Distribution Company. He had other reasons to why he wanted to be profitable with that feud, and it was all predicating on the movie. So, also Savage and Beefcake were were definitely having their little mini feud as well. Um, if you remember, Beefcake would always insult Sensational Sherry on TV tapings and stuff. And her being a part of it was great, too, because she's such a great heel. She had so much to the match. She's basically like having another great worker involved, and she could take bumps, and the guys would bump her like crazy. And Beefcake you know, would, would, would definitely master that with, with the Macho Man. And having her involved was great. Like I mentioned before, SummerSlam 89, Hogan and Beefcake, they're going to team and you think like, okay, that's Hogan's buddy. Of course, Hogan's going to get the win. They're going to defeat Savage and Zeus. But while the tag team feud kind of simmered for a few months and yes, that's SummerSlam, it's still there. It's not over yet. It's still going to um, keep going. So like I mentioned, yes, he's, Zeus is on DiBiase's team in Survivor Series, but the feud isn't over. It's still going to be going. Unlike SummerSlam 89, though, Miss Elizabeth doesn't really make an appearance for a while. So she's not going to appear at Survivor Series. Just throw that little nugget in there. She's not going to be there. So while Hogan Beefcake versus uh, Savage and Zeus would resume right after 
Survivor Series. That feud, in essence, had nothing to do with the event. It's much more of a Hogan-Zeus feud, and that's carrying the show for uh, for a bit. And if you think about the Survivor Series 89 in general, pretty good show. And you got to love Survivor Series in general, but it still was a pillar show. If you look at it this year, and I know we, we don't cover too much of Survivor Series 2001. Obviously, we're talking about the Hogan era, but it was so much more promoted back then. If you even think about this one, they didn't hardly promote it at all. I mean, back then, it just felt so important. Um, it, it was so good. I don't know. It just it felt like everything was important. You had Dusty Rhodes' team. You had Bossman's team. You had Savage's team, and then he feuded with uh, Duggan's team. You had the Hogan team, like I mentioned, Hulk Mania, the Million Dollar team, Rouge Brood. You had Rowdy's Rowdy's. You had the Ultimate Warrior team. You had the Heenan family. It just everybody had a team. Everybody seemed important. It just had such a heightened sense back then, and I feel like that's where wrestling is 100% missing nowadays is that sense of importance. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily a world title feud. It just felt important because – Hogan's team was going up there and they're fighting Zeus's team, which was really the million dollar team. And I just, and if you say, Oh, you were a kid, maybe that's why, but I don't know, even going back and watching it, it just had just such a heightened sense of importance. But if you go back to the no holds barred steel cage match, like I mentioned back in December of 89, it is the match. It is the movie. It is no holds barred. The pay-per-view Nashville municipal auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. This steel cage match was really a part of a WWF challenge taping. In addition to the match there, you had mid card match and lower card matches. Uh, you had some non-televised matches. You saw the American dream, Dusty Rhodes defeat the big boss man. You saw the WWF intercontinental champion, the ultimate warrior defeat, you Bravo. Then you saw the colossal connection of Andre, the giant Haku defeat the WWF tag team champions, demolition by Countout, and Mr. Perfect. Kurt Henning defeats Ron Garvin. Then you had Hogan and beefcake defeating Savage and Zeus in the main event, nine minutes, 30 seconds in the steel cage. The match could have been one by pinfall by submission or having both members escape the cage after back and forth early on all four members were knocked out after hogan hit the suplex on zeus and beefcake and savage hit heads into each other into the steel cage structure sensational sherry of course the manager of savage and zeus handed a chain to savage who attempted to strike beefcake with a fist drop off the top of the cage but Beefcake recovered and caught Savage coming off. Eventually, Beefcake knocked Savage to the mat and escaped the cage. Savage, with some initial help from Beefcake, crawled inside, tying the matchup at one apiece. Meanwhile, Hogan would rally against Zeus, battering him before dropping three leg drops to score the pin and the win for the Hogan and Beefcake team as the Hulkster Pin Zeus, like I mentioned, nine minutes, 27 seconds. This was really Zeus's last match in the WWF as Lister shortly after would leave. And of course, meanwhile, Savage continued to uh, target Hogan, where he would eventually fight him in February of 1990 to finally get his rematch from WrestleMania 5. Big rematch there. He would also, of course, do with the Warrior there. If you think about Zeus just in, in general, Zeus, a.k.a. Z Gangsta, would eventually uh, face Hogan again, uncensored 1996, one of the worst matches of all time. 
Hogan and Savage partnering against the Alliance and Hulkamania in a two versus eight doomsday cage match. Pretty damn terrible. Um, but of course that has nothing to do with the Hogan era and that's neither here nor there, but that's really Zeus's kind of last match and, and final appearance there. Zeus would make a few other premiere appearances in a promotional spot for Royal Rumble 1990. But of course he was not a part of that event and he goes back into the world of Hollywood. So they kept Savage. If you look at this, they kept Savage strong throughout because he was going to eventually get that one-on-one rematch in February of 1990. And it would be very big and very monumental as James Busta Douglas was a part of that one. And eventually, after Hogan beats Savage, Douglas knocks out Savage after knocking out Mike Tyson and a huge upset there. Originally, of course, Tyson was supposed to be the referee, but since Buster Douglas beat Tyson, you couldn't have Mike Tyson be the referee. You had to have James Buster Douglas do it. Pretty cool. What Maybe would have changed the difference. Maybe he could have drew a little bit better if it was Tyson or T something there with Tyson and Hogan, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. Still, drew very, very well with James Buster Douglas as the guest referee for that one. So I do want to address a big rumor that was out there and has been addressed by a few different people, Pritchard and, and JR. A few people have talked about this. It is true that WrestleMania six, there was some rumors being thrown out there as maybe having Hulk Hogan versus Zeus in the main event. And while I don't know if that necessarily was ever really given a lot of thought, it's just one of those things where, are you going to sell out Mania with Hogan and Zeus? Maybe. People still interested in Hogan and Zeus after the movie came out in June of 89, and we're looking at April of 1990? I don't know. Would it have been as big, as impactful, as history-making as Hogan is the Ultimate Warrior? I highly, highly doubt it. But at that point, they were thinking about Zeus in the main event, which is an interesting thought. I think it would probably not have been a, a great match, and Hogan would obviously have to do a big-time carry job there, but I just feel like I don't know about that. I can't really see Hogan and Zeus being the main event of WrestleMania. Sure, in a pay-per-view like No Holds Barred, or they're playing the match in the movie, or a lesser pay-per-view or another pay-per-view. Yeah, but WrestleMania, I don't think so. Saturday night's main event, yeah, definitely. I could definitely see that. I just, I don't know. I just don't see that being po- possible, plausible, or true for a WrestleMania. But, hey, that's what wrestling's all about. Those great rumors, and that rumor was out there. Pretty interesting rumor. Pretty cool rumor, but I, I don't know if I'm buying that. Also, another rumor that was out there for WrestleMania 6, which you can look at, it looked like that's kind of the direction they were going, the way they were promoting things. Hulk Hogan versus Mr. Perfect. He had the undefeated streak. He was undefeated. Perfect destroys the belt with a hammer. You had the the genius beating Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event by a countout. You had Hogan and Perfect be the last two guys in the Royal Rumble together. You had Hogan and Warrior versus Perfect and Genius leading up to WrestleMania 6. There's so many different things you could say. Wow, they almost went in the direction of Mr. Perfect. He was undefeated. That would have been interesting, especially him being undefeated at that point. Would Hogan be able to end the perfect streak? Obviously, we all know it was ended for some godforsaken reason by Bruce Beefcake, but that's a different story for a different day. But in thinking of it, could you have bought it? Maybe it wasn't going to be as big as Hogan Warrior or as memorable, but hey, Perfect was awesome. All-time great. I totally would have bought it. I totally would have think that that would have been believable. I would have been very interested in a Hogan versus Mr. Perfect WrestleMania 6 match, 
Would it have sold out the Toronto Sky Dome? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But if you're listing those three in order of which one I believe or which one was more likely to happen, obviously Warrior, then Perfect, then Zeus. And that's the way I would have uh, summed it up. But in, in summary here, you had SummerSlam 89, Hogan and Beefcake defeating Savage and Zeus. You had Survivor Series 1989, the Hulkamaniacs defeating the Million Dollar Team with Zeus getting eliminated via DQ. Then you had No Holds Barred, the match, the movie, December of 89 on pay-per-view. Hogan and Beefcake again go over Savage and Zeus there. This was all predicated on the, around the movie of No Holds Barred, Vince McMahon promoting the movie and wanted to get as much juice as he can for that movie to make as much of a profit as he can. And yes, it did make double the money back as it only cost $8 million and they ended up making over $16 million for it, not counting the DVDs and VHS sales. So definitely a moderate success for No Holds Barred and a moderate success for this feud. While it would never be remembered for great work rate, it'd just be very memorable because, hell, it's the Hulkster. It's during the Hogan era, and it's the monster, the human wrecking machine, Zeus. So pretty fond uh, memories of that feud for sure. But let's hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Like to thank everyone out there for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era podcast. See you next week, folks.
I can't believe you're so excited, Shabani. This is that Elizabeth. Elizabeth Elizabeth tripped up Sherry. The Macho Man. Savage is he got the purse. He's got the purse. We got total mayhem. Hogan has the purse. He's got that loaded purse. This is an illegal foreign object. Which has been used on Brutus before. Watch out. Oh. He's going to go. He picked it up. He picked up this. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.